And uh, it's good to remember, too, who wrote that song. It was Fanny Crosby who was blind. She didn't have very good physical sight, but uh, she sure had good spiritual vision, didn't she? She had it under, she had a good understanding of the Lord and, and, uh, and of her relationship with Him. She had that blessed assurance, and it is, God does want us to live by confidence and not, uh, not always worried and panic about our relationship and standing with the Lord, but that we would have this blessed assurance, this confidence in our relationship with Him. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bible to 3 John chapter, not chapter, verse 2, 3 John verse 2. If you're wondering where 3 John is, if you find the book of Revelation and go back two uh, books, the book right before Revelation is Jude, and right before that is 3 John. 3 John, verse 2. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, pick it up in verse number 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And uh, we started this series uh, right at the very beginning of this year on January 2nd called Biblical Prosperity, uh, looking at the different areas of our lives that, that we can prosper in. Uh, God certainly desires that we wouldn't just have eternal life, but that we would have abundant life here upon this earth. That does not mean that necessarily we're going to be always healthy, wealthy, and famous and all of that, uh, but it does mean that there are some biblical instructions if we were to follow them, and where we, if we are obedient to those instructions, then we can experience some prosperity in uh, the different areas. We first looked at the most important one uh, was spiritual prosperity, because at the end of this verse, he says, even as thy soul prospereth. And uh, really, our relationship with God is the very most important area to focus in on, on um, focus in on, and uh, to desire to prosper in. But then also, there's uh, we we mentioned next was the emotional prosperity. God desires that we would have a healthy emotional life, and certainly that's a hot topic now. There's a lot of Uh, mental wellness and mental health um, seminars that are out there and conferences and and, uh, people who help with that type of thing. And yet the Bible has much to say about um, our emotional well-being. And uh, we mentioned that we are triune beings, right? Just like God is triune, uh, He's a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in one. You and I are uh, body, soul, and spirit all in one, and uh, everything is connected. So when our relationship with God is not right, guess what that's going to do? That's going to impact our emotional health. It's also going to impact, in many times, our physical health, where uh, somebody maybe who has been under conviction of God for a long time, it begins to... Uh, affect their physical well-being. Um, and when we're not right with one another, uh, let's say that you and your spouse are not getting along, and uh, that's going to start to impact your relationship with God and your relationship, not, not just your spiritual well-being, but also your physical well-being. Uh, we're all connected, and so uh, all of these are important, and they all affect each other. Um, well, we started talking uh, two, two Wednesday nights ago about our physical prosperity, and, and not, not that it's not important, it is important, because here uh, John says in verse 2, uh, that thou mayest prosper and be in, what's that next word there? Health. So uh, there is uh, a, a, an emphasis in the Bible. Uh, the Bible has much to say about our physical well-being. Um, and, uh, we're going to, the next message is going to be on our financial prosperity. And, uh, that's going to sound like I'm a prosperity gospel preacher. No, that's, uh, I really hesitated to even call this series this because 
I do despise the gospel prosperity type preaching. Um, But in the Bible, uh, there are people who uh, dealt with, uh, who were right with God, who dealt with uh, physical ailments, um, uh, not because they were lacking in their faith, because it was simply God's will for them to go through the trial of physical sickness. We mentioned uh, two individuals in the Bible, Job. Job was right with God. In fact, he was one that eschewed evil and walked uprightly, and yet remember how the Lord allowed Satan to affect his physical health. And so Job dealt with physical um, a lack of physical health, not because of his relationship with God was not because that was off. Uh, it was actually because it was so on point that uh, the Lord said, hey, why don't you test him? And I'll show you that my people don't always serve me just because I give them things. It's because they love me um, just because of who I am. And then another individual that uh, we find in Scripture who dealt with uh, physical issues was the Apostle Paul. Um, He was afflicted with a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was, but uh, I don't think that we could say, oh yeah, well, Paul was off in his relationship with God, and that's why he dealt with this. No. So sometimes we'll go through sicknesses. Uh, Many of us have gone through sicknesses even in the last month and a half or so. Uh, Even some of us as recently as this last week. Um, And is it because our relationship with God is off? Not always. Now, sometimes that could be the case. Uh, We do know that sometimes the Lord brings healing and health in someone's life as he is the great physician when someone is sick. Um, I think of uh, Philippians chapter 2, when a man by the name of Epaphroditus was healed. Uh, but we know that sometimes his greatest healing is when he takes a saint to uh, heaven and uh, to be with him forever. And uh, we're going to go just do a quick little review over this first point here. And I know all the blanks are filled in for you, so we'll go quickly through this, but uh, for those who were not here, and just again, since it's been a couple weeks, to bring us back up to speed, here's some general principles regarding what the Bible says about our physical health. Okay, first, number one, as believers, we need to remember that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And boy, is that, we kind of know that as believers, but that's a heavy thing. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not indwell the people who believed in God. But in New, in New Testament days, after, after Pentecost, then the Holy Spirit then now indwells permanently a believer the moment they trust Christ as their Savior. And right now, if you are saved, the Holy Spirit resides within, and your body then, according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. Um, now, this whole concept of the Holy, our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit applies to many different things. It applies, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it applies to moral purity, keeping our bodies morally pure. Um, but it also applies to our diet, It applies to what we put into our body, whether it be through drugs or smoking or alcohol, uh, taking care of our body through exercise, marking our bodies up in tattoos or uh, cutting our bodies, and and the list could go on. But we need to remember that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and our bodies are not our own. Um... This whole my, my body, my choice uh, with the abortion crowd and then the other crowd, uh, the conservatives have said, well, when it comes to vaccines, my body, my choice. And if you want to say that, then we're going to claim that same slogan. Either way, if you're a believer, the, your body's not your body. It belongs to the Lord. And so we need to remember that as a general principle, Okay. Next, we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, when someone gets pulled over for a DUI, um, that means they were driving under the influence of alcohol. Um, may the Lord help us all to be always L-U-I, living under the influence, not of alcohol, but of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, may we always be under his influence. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 12. Let me have you just turn there super fast. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. I want you guys, uh, all of us, to, to see this tonight. Again, I covered this a couple weeks ago, but again, for those who weren't here. And this is the passage just before Paul lays into this church family and says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Just before he says that, in verse number 12, Paul says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul says, I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to let anything, I'm not going to be under the influence of anything other than the Lord, other than the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to let anything have control over me other than the Lord himself. All right, so we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and we can talk more about that. But uh, thirdly, we mentioned the principle of stewardship. Okay, God's given us a body. Uh, just like, you know, you have uh, one vehicle, you have a vehicle, and you need to maintain that vehicle. And if you don't maintain that vehicle, it's going to fall apart and break. It's going to break down anyway over time, but. Uh, you need to have regular oil changes. You need to put gas in it. You need to make sure that it has enough coolant um, or all the different things, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a mechanic, but um, I do try to make sure we are faithful on those oil changes. And, and when you take care of your car, then your car will take care of you, okay? We have one vehicle in which we can serve the Lord. And that's the body that God's given us, this tabernacle that God's given us. We need to take care of it. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards a man be found faithful. So we need to take care of our bodies. Um, but before, unless we get too focused on our bodies, there's another biblical principle that we need to see, and that's fourthly here. Our bodies will die. Isn't that encouraging? Our bodies will die, therefore our main prior, primary pri priority should be on the inner man instead of on the outer man, which is going to perish. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16 says, for, we, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I mean, you can do all you want to keep your body looking, and, and some people do. Boy, they spend money on it. They spend time on it. They buy products for themselves to make their bodies look like they're not perishing. But the fact of the matter is, try as you might. I mean, Betty White died at 99 years old, just, a, what, a month before her 100th birthday? I mean, that lady was the Energizer Bunny. I mean, she just kept going. Uh, but her body eventually gave out. And yours will eventually give out, no matter how great it looks. No matter how well you take care of it, it's still going to give up. Okay? So, that, since that's the case, uh, let's not put our primary priority on the outward part of us. Uh, let's take care of it. Let's be good stewards of it. But let's not put our entire focus there. Let's focus first and most importantly on the inner man. Okay, so some general principles uh, that the Bible kind of, or Bible gives us here regarding our, our physical life. Um, 
Now let's go into number two here, biblical principles for eating. Okay, and this is a big one, and this is a convicting one, and there are some, there are some convicting truths in this little section here that I would just assume skip over. But the Bible doesn't skip it. So therefore, I better not skip it. Okay? Uh, back in the Old Testament, there were dietary laws that God gave the Jews. Well, in the New Testament, praise the Lord, to God be the glory. God has given us the liberty to eat any of God's creatures. 1 Timothy 4, and uh, we, this is all review for, for those who were here a couple weeks ago, but uh, let's look here, 1 Timothy 4. And name something that you couldn't eat in the Old Testament days. Bacon, pork, what's that? Who said shrimp? Yep, that's one. Um, what else? Catfish, couldn't have catfish. I mean, Oklahomans, what would they eat? I mean, they would starve. So, um, that's right, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that the... And there's reasons why God said not to eat those things. There's, for those who've studied all of that, they know that those types of foods are not the most healthy for you. Hard to believe that bacon's not good for you, but... Um, all right, 1 Timothy 4 and uh, verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 says, Now the Spirit speaketh... Expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So, bacon, go for it. Shrimp, go for it. Catfish, go for it. Go for it. Um, some things I'm not interested in eating, um, just because I think it just is gross. Uh, but some people like it. How many have had escargot? snails would you raise your hand okay uh yeah seth and i had it we went on a cruise to uh, mexico and uh this was when he was maybe second grade first second grade and uh well that's an opportunity because all the food you can order whatever you want and it's all included in those cruises and they had escargot and i was like well, i'm gonna order that and just try it i mean it's free i'm not paying extra for it and so it, come, it came with like six snails. And if you've ever, I, I don't know if that's how they always come, but it came with six snails. And, um, and so I, I said, all right, well, I'm going to try this. If Seth, you try it. And, uh, and will you try it if I try it? And he's like, I, okay, okay. I talked him into it. And so I, I had it. And, uh, it, you know, for, again, for those who've had it, it's, it's kind of chewy. And... Um, and tasted like garlic and salt and chewy. <laughs> the texture just kind of got me. It was just weird. And, and you know, you snail, and I was, I, I, Julie was recording us do this, do this and, uh, and I said, it's a lot less crunchy than I thought it was going to be because <laughs> you, you kind of have that, that shell in your mind as part of a snail. And uh, anyway, and then, and then Seth ate it, and he was just like looking down, and I said, do you, what, what do you think? What do you think? It's pretty good, right? And he was like, yeah. And I said, you want another one? He's like, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, and yet, that's, we can have that stuff. We can eat snake. We can eat uh, lizards. We can eat all kinds of stuff. Uh, every creature of God is good. Now, maybe good to you, maybe not good, maybe, maybe good for you, maybe not good to you. Uh, but here's some biblical principles, though, for eating, okay? Uh, first of all, many of the temptations in the Bible had to do with food, 
And the very first temptation that took place in the Garden of Eden had to do with food. Um, God said, you can have food from every tree in the garden except for one. Um, don't eat of that one. And then that's when Satan showed up uh, in the form of that serpent who de deceived Eve there and said, you want this fruit because doesn't it look so good? The first temptation dealt with food. When Jesus was first tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, um, he, was, he had fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. And Satan, the first temptation he faced was, hey, why don't you turn this uh, stone into a, a loaf of potato bread? I don't know what kind of bread it was, he said, but turned it into a loaf of bread. And uh, Jesus said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Okay, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. Uh, the nation of Israel murmured and complained because of their hunger and lack of variety on the menu. Remember, God provided manna for them in the wilderness, and they got sick of just having one thing on the menu. Can't we have something else? And as a result, they ended up having this complaining spirit because of a lack of, um, of food options. So many of the temptations in the Bible had to do with food, okay? But, um, and so sometimes the temptations that we have in our life also deal with food. Uh, some people, you know, it's like, oh, don't tempt me with that. And uh, they'll bring over a really awesome dessert or something, and it's like, oh, man, you're putting a temptation, and I, I, there's no way of escape on this one. You know, I have to fall into this temptation. Well, um, he, okay, so many of the temptations the Bible had to do with food. Um, and then number next here, and this is where we stopped last time. Okay, like anything else, eating is to be done in moderation, including sweets. Eating is to be done in moderation, including sweets. And this is where it gets a little convicting here because we're going to look at some verses that aren't real comfortable to look at. Because we Baptists, we kind of pride ourselves in how much we enjoy eating. And it's okay to enjoy eating and to enjoy the things that God has provided for us, but in moderation. On Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 20, listen to this. Uh, most of us would, uh, would ag agree that someone who is a drunkard is out of the will of God, who is living a sinful life and uh, needs to get, get, get deal with that particular sin, okay? But, but listen to the, uh, the context of this. Deuteronomy 21.20. And they shall say unto the elders of a city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So in the same sentence of drunkard is this idea of gluttony. And I know that, you know, in Baptist churches, you know, we're, you know, one of the, you know, Baptist distinctives is like buffets and P is potluck, you know. Uh, that's what somehow we think that's the case, that we have to eat a lot in order to be right with God, you know. No, uh, gluttony is a sin, and it is found in the Bible. And it's connected to, you know, as bad as we would maybe in our minds go to, uh, the, you know, we get a, a drunkard and we would put him in a category of, boy, that's, that's not very good. But, but somebody who eats a bunch, eh, that's not a big deal. They must just be a Baptist. No, actually, it's in the same category in God's mind. Philippians 3 and verse number 19, here's another reference. He's talking about uh, people here, and he says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their, anybody know? Belly. Who's God is their belly. All they can do is think about themselves and what they're going to eat and what they're going to consume. And that's their whole 
focus in life. It's that guy in Luke chap in, in, in the book of Luke who, you know, said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater, and, and I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. It's all about me and my wants and my desires, and I'm going to fulfill them all. Whose God is their belly. Okay, I'm going to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter number 23. We're going to look at some verses in the Bible in the book of Proverbs here that talk about this idea of gluttony. And I'm not preaching to you, I'm just preaching to us, okay? Because I struggle with this too. Proverbs 23 and verse number 2. And he says, Put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. So in other words, if you're hungry and you just can't stop eating, it says, Put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. And, and I'm not suggesting you actually do that. But the, the point of this particular verse is um, sometimes our appetites can control us. And remember what Paul said? I will not be brought under the power of any, including my appetite for food. So can I ask you that question? Are you under the control of your appetite for food? Do you have to obey your appetite for food. I mean, it's dinner time. We have to eat. Do you really have to eat? Um, he says here, put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Okay, same chapter. Look in verse number 20. He says, be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. And so he's telling his son here, Solomon is, to guard who his company is, who he hangs out with. And he says, be not among wine bibbers. Don't be among those who are rioters, riotous, eater, riotous eaters of flesh that just kind of can't stop eating. And then verse 21, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Uh, so he's trying to tell his son, you don't, you don't need to be around those who just have to eat and eat and eat and eat, who are under the power of food. Uh, if you go to uh, Proverbs chapter 28, and let's look in verse number 7. And maybe this maybe isn't the right verse. Um, I don't know if it is or not. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. That's a great verse. I don't know if I pick, put the right, the, right, the right reference down. So never mind on that one. But let's go to Proverbs 25 and verse 15. Go back to Proverbs 25 and verse number 16. This is the right one. He says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. And so the principle behind this verse is, you know, like we talked about, the, the point is, like anything else, eating is to be done in moderation, including sweets. Here's the sweets part of that point. Uh, honey is a good thing, but boy, if you eat it, like you have a big cereal bowl full of honey and you eat that for breakfast every, I mean, that would be too much. All of us would, would get to the point where you get sick and it says here, and vomit it. Um, we, we can easily do that. I remember when I was a kid, you know, when my parents wouldn't buy me candy and you kind of think, man, when I become, you know, a man, I'm going to go to the store and just buy candy. Like, for breakfast, I'm going to have ice cream. For lunch, I'm going to have chocolate candy bars. 
and then I'm going to have licorice for dinner. Like that's going to be my diet. Okay, now that I'm an adult, it's actually not a bad idea. No, it is a bad idea because we know what that will do for us. I remember when um, my parents let me buy a whole, we went to, it was Price Club back in the day. Anybody shop at Price Club back in the day? Um, my, my parents took me to a, a price club and they let me get um, a Costco size box of mini Reese's peanut butter cups. Those mini ones, those little ones. Okay, not the big ones. I was trying to be in moderation. No, but I had a, I had a price club box full of those and I had them under my bed. And it was awesome to be able to just go into my room and have as many as I wanted. But I realized that after a while it was like, I'm kind of getting sick of these. Like this is, this doesn't make my tummy feel good anymore. <laughs> and that's the case. That that's that's what the Bible's saying here is we need to be careful about the sweets and not going bonkers on them. But here's the deal: sugar is pretty addicting. It's it's an addictive substance. And even natural sugar. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into a bunch of medical stuff. And I've mentioned that at the beginning of the last message when I started when I started this that there's a lot of medical stuff that I could give but I'm just going to give you what the Bible says and and uh, let let the word of God do its work in our hearts but um, we do need to be careful about the consumption of sugar and to be um, to not overdo it hast thou found honey eat so much is sufficient for thee if you find honey Eat some. You, 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 it's not sinful to have desserts every once in a while. But when that becomes our focus and all we eat is that, that can become very detrimental to our health and cause us to be sick. So eating is to be done in moderation, including sweets. And uh, that's not always easy to do. Number three, or no, let, let her see here. Don't look to food for your comfort. Instead, look to God. Many people, when they go through a tough time, they go to what they call comfort food. You know, maybe it's like you had a rough day at work, so you go, I could, you know what? I deserve this. I need me a chili cheese fries from Del Taco. I deserve it. I've had a rough day. I need some comfort food. Okay? You fill in the blank. Okay? I'm telling you what I fill in the blank with. But whatever it is for you, I, you know what? This has just a rough, been a rough season. And uh, you know what? I need this today. Comfort food. Or maybe you've heard of this, stress eating. When you're stressful, it's like you get all the chips out. And before you know it, the whole bag of chips just disappeared. You're like, what happened to this bag of chips? There was, it was full a minute ago. But you're under stress and you start eating. <clears throat> or maybe, you know what? Something good happened. Let's go and celebrate by eating. Now, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, in the Bible, there was lots of feasts to celebrate something. Remember when the prodigal son came home? Uh, what, what ended up happening? Well, there was food served to celebrate. It's not that it's wrong to have food in our lives, but when we look to food to comfort us, we're putting too much value on food. Whereas we're not putting value where it needs to be on the Lord. See, in times of trial and discouragement, in times of stress, when we turn to food instead of the Lord, it's really a slap in the face to God. And again, I'm not saying that you're the only one that's done it and I've never done this. No, again, this is something I've struggled with this too. And this is a convicting thought that many times people look to food to 
bring about some type of comfort in their life when all the while God's up there going, hello, I want to comfort you. In a comfort that no food could ever provide in your life. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Verse number 2. I'll read that while you're still turning there. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, verse 3 says, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all, what's that next word? The God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforteth us in, our, in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So here, the Lord wants to be our comfort. He wants to be the one providing that comfort, not Del Taco. And we should be running to him, not to Chick-fil-A. Although that is the Lord's chicken. You need to be careful here. And she is, she is repping Chick-fil-A here. Um, but whatever it is, you know, I need to... I need to gorge myself on whatever. No, we don't. We need to go to the Lord. Um, Matthew chapter number 6, verse number, um, I'm not going to have time to go through this whole passage, but this is the passage that says, Take therefore no thought of what you shall eat or what your raiment shall be, for the Gentiles seek after those things. So stop worrying about what you're going to eat and start, stop being so consumed with food. Now, certainly uh, for those who are involved in watching television, the commercials are constant about food. I mean, showing the new um, promotional burger that a uh, fast food place is, is offering right now and the special deal they're offering, it's constant. It's just ongoing. And so we're programmed to think about food so much. I mean, how many, of our, how many of our cell phones have multiple apps on our phone for fast food restaurants? <coughs> I mean, mine has a few. More than I would like to admit publicly. Um, but here, here's... Here's the thing, we're to, instead of thinking about food all the time, we're to seek first the kingdom of God. And, and I know that's easier said than done because we get hungry three times a day. And in these first two rows, probably three or four hundred times a day. Um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the second row, too. Okay, just... <laughs> Anyway, um, there is the biblical discipline uh, that we read about called fasting, where you do not eat for a certain period of time. And there's different lengths of fasting in the Bible, and this message isn't on fasting. Uh, that's for a different time. But I have found that fasting is good for me to train myself to not be under the power and the uh, control of food. Because, you know, after a day of not eating, you're kind of like, man, I, I, don't even, I didn't even realize how much my body, I am under the control of food. And when you fast for two or three days, then you're, you're training your body to say, you know what, I'm going to be under the control of the Lord, not under food. But I am looking forward to my next meal. <laughs> um, so fasting is a good thing. Basically, under this whole thought of, <coughs> of eating, let's boil it down to this one verse, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
So if you're going to eat, can you eat what you're going to eat and how you're going to eat it and why you're going to eat it for the glory of God? If the answer is yes, then go for it. If the answer is no, I'm trying to find some comfort in this food that hopefully it will provide. Is that really glorifying God? So, again, I'm not trying to go into all the medical and health, like all those things. I'm trying to give you what the Bible says about it, how we can prosper biblically, biblical prosperity. Um, Let's go ahead, and I I do want to just finish this message tonight. Um, I know it's about 8 o'clock. If we can can try to get through the next couple thoughts here in the next 10 minutes, I think we can do it. Um, let's look here at number three here, the biblical principles for exercise. Oh, man. Can't we just be dismissed? <laughs> Can't we just go to prayer request time? We don't want to talk about exercise, do we? Well, the Bible talks about it, so we need to talk about it. First Timothy chapter 4. Turn over there, please. First Timothy 4. First Timothy chapter number four and verse number seven. Paul talking to young man in the ministry named Timothy. And he says in verse number seven, he, he says, I want you to refuse some things. I want you to refuse in verse seven, profane and old wives fables. And then he says, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Verse eight, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So here Paul talks about exercise, bodily exercise, running, push-ups, jumping jacks, planks, whatever, lifting weights. Um, Paul talks about it here in 1 Timothy 4. He also talks about it in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, and we won't go there for sake of time, but he does in chapter 9. He talks about how um, the Olympians who would do it to, they're tempered in all things, and they um, are very controlled in their bodies, all in order to get a corruptible crown that's going to fade away. All right, and then the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, so here's a couple thoughts about uh, exercise. First of all, it is profitable. It is profitable. Verse 8 of 1 Timothy 4 says, For bodily exercise profiteth. I realize there's other words, but it does profit. There is value in exercise and taking care of our bodies. It is. It does help to keep the muscles strong and the joints moving. Somebody, uh, I recently heard them say this about exercise, motion is lotion. So when you're moving, it means you're, you're, your joints keep moving, but if you just stay stagnant, then you're going to get stiff. Um, <coughs> And with, uh, with, our, with our muscles, we will, you, you need to use it or you are going to lose it. Now, I want to be around for a long time. And I want to be active with my, my grandchildren um, when I get grandchildren. I don't want to be in a wheelchair when they're learning to play soccer and football, and hopefully my children will raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and desire to play hockey. I want to be able to play with my grandchildren. But if I don't take care of my body and and I'm not exercising, then I'm going to have a tough time with that. I'm going to be like, let me get my walker. I don't want to be like that. I'm I'm thankful for um, Brother Tom, who's not here tonight, but... I mean, 80-something years old and still playing tennis. And he's staying active, and he's using it. And uh, his, his doctor told him, he said, you know, I could give you a bunch of pills and medication for your heart, but honestly, an hour of tennis every week, that's going to do far better than any type of medication I could ever give you, so just keep playing tennis. 
And so he's doing that. And, and, and exercise is profitable. Um, it does profit. But here's the other side of that. Uh, first of all, it's profitable. Secondly, it can become an idol easily. It can absolutely do this. Now, <clears throat> uh, we just got a brand new bathroom scale. It's one of those that syncs with your phone and keeps track of, it like syncs Bluetooth and all that. It's like, why would you want to carry all that information on your phone? Like, what happens if you die and somebody breaks into your phone and says, oh, wow, that's how much he really weighs. Oh, that's how much body fat he has. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, it, okay, the thing is, our, our physical appearance and bodies can easily, we can, the focus can easily become out of balance. And I know people who have let exercise become their God. That's their whole life. Like they live to work out. That's the only thing they want to do. That's, that's their happy place, you know. And they want to lose weight. They want to get ripped. They want to get thin, whatever. Why? So that they could look in the mirror and admire their body. And, and it sounds kind of silly, but it's true. This is what people do. And it's using the words of Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes, it's vanity. Because again, our bodies are going to die. I'm for keeping our bodies in shape so that we can continue to serve the Lord and be there for our families. I think that's necessary and, and important and healthy. But when, we, when, when it becomes kind of our major focus, then it becomes, it, it can become a, an idol in our life. 1 Peter 1 verse 24 puts things in perspective. Uh, Peter says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man. I mean, you get ripped. You become, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and win all these bodybuilding um, awards and all of that. The glory of man is as the flower of grass. The, gla the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. Guess what? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's body is still going to die. As ripped as it was and as amazing of a specimen of uh, masculinity and muscular discipline, whatever, his body's still going to die just like mine. So, again, be careful not to let this become an idol in our lives. And so, thirdly, our focus needs to be on godliness because bodily exercise profiteth and there's that word, little. Does profit, but not very much. So instead, we need to exercise ourselves. If you really want to, Paul's saying here, if you want to develop some good discipline in your exercise, focus on your godliness, your inner man. Because he says, exercise thyself, verse 7, rather unto godliness, Bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having pro promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Again, I'm, I'm not against anybody who goes to the gym or you know, runs and all that. That's great, but don't let that be your focus. And, and do those things, but you better not do those things to the neglect of your spiritual life. Oh, we're focusing on our physical well-being, great. But again, that's not where the priority should be. Our priority should be on the spiritual, not on the physical. Um, so this should be our focus. Got time to spend working out? Great. Just make sure your main focus is on developing your relationship with God. If you have time to work out, then you have time to read your Bible. You have time to spend time in prayer. But if you're working out and not spending time in God's word, your priorities are messed up. And so are mine if I'm doing the same. Okay? Uh, so biblical principles for exercise. And there's a lot more we could say about all this, but I do want to speed through this. Number four, um, last thought here, and biblical principles for rest. 
rest, for physical rest. Uh, very quickly here, the Bible does talk about sleep and getting adequate rest. Um, but there is, first of all, a warning about too little sleep. Uh, Psalm 127. Turn over there real quick. I'm going to do a little speed, uh, speed turning in our Bibles here. Psalm 127 and verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And here it is. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. So for those who are like, well, I just don't sleep because I'm just so worried about this or that in my life. Um, God doesn't want you to be worried about that. He wants you to be sleeping. And so it's vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. It's, it's hurting you by not getting the adequate sleep that you need So uh, because you're so focused on uh, worrying about all these things. He says, vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. And this is my, you know, hey, cool, I get to sleep in every day of my life. That's not what this is talking about. It's like for those who just can't sleep because of their, uh, they're so worried about everything. Okay, so there's a warning about getting too little sleep, but there's also a warning about getting too much sleep. Okay, so to balance it out, Proverbs chapter 6, turn over there. Okay, there's some who just don't sleep because they're always worried about this or that, and they, you know, I didn't get much sleep last night because I was just worried about blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, there's the other person who's like, I have no problem sleeping. And I can sleep all day and all night. No big deal. Okay, verse number nine. Here is, I'm sorry, verse number six. Pick it up in verse number six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And then he says in verse nine, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. man. And uh, there's, there's other references, too, that we could go to. But um, here, get, get, get what you need. Um, some people need a little bit more than others. I, I think I need more sleep than my wife does. Um, I need more beauty sleep than she does because she's already pretty beautiful. That's, that's to, if Julie, if you're watching, that kind of hopefully helps that previous statement about you not being able to talk. Um, so anyway, but um, most people need between six and eight hours of sleep every night. Okay. Um, some could do with a little less. Some need maybe a tad more, but we don't need to sleep our life away. Uh, God has a purpose for us and we're not fulfilling our purpose when we're dreaming. So uh, get up and, and, and work. So there's a balance here about getting too little and getting too much. And so the third thought here is find your rest in the Lord. Um, Psalm 34 and verse number 7. And this kind of goes back to for those who are worried about everything and uh, what's going to happen? And so they're not getting good rest. Psalm 34, verse number 7 is for you. Uh, how come I keep writing the wrong references down? How about we go to Psalm 37, verse 7. There we go. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Rest in the Lord. Find your rest in the Lord. Okay, we got a we got a couple minutes. I wanted to be dismissed, but um, let me let me end by going to Proverbs chapter three. <clears throat> I want to show you that Proverbs chapter three talks a lot about our relationship with God and how it impacts our health. So verse number one, pick it up in verse number one of Proverbs chapter three, and we'll end with this 
um, this chapter here. He says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And when we do, here's what happens in verse number two. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So when we are remembering God's word and we're obeying God's word, we're going to be in better health. He's going to give us longer days, a longer life, peace in our hearts. Uh, when we're in God's word and we have a good relationship with his word. All right, and pick it up in verse number five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Verse number eight says, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You're like, okay, my belly button. I'm not so concerned about the health of my belly button. Uh, it, 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 it talks about our physical health here. That's what, that's what reference is, or it, it's referencing our physical health. When we are living in humility, when we're fearing God and we're departing from evil, that's going to be good for our physical health. Like It's, it's good for us. It's healthy for us to uh, follow these spiritual admonitions. Um, let's look in verse number uh, 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. And here's the principle of health here. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. And to them that lay hold on, upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. And then verse 21, My son, keep, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. And thou shalt walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. We just talked about a rest. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked for when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, the blessed assurance we talked we sung about earlier in the service, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So here we have many verses in, in this chapter that deal with a relationship with God, getting wisdom, departing from evil. And when we do those things, it's good for us physically. So there's some practical things, but also uh, basically I just wanted to show you what the Bible says about our physical life and how we can prosper physically. Um, not, not a bunch of like science, because as we know, science changes, but God's Word doesn't. And so that's what I wanted to show you tonight is the Word of God. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Um, I, I don't want to take too much time tonight going through prayer requests because we, we did go over, but uh, several people in our church are de still dealing with, with sickness. Um, want to mention uh, Brent has been dealing with some dizzy spells. Um, he's had some dizziness uh, last last couple weeks. He's dealt with a couple uh, episodes of it, and so we want to be praying for him. And I know there's uh, many others in our church who are dealing with sicknesses of various uh, types, um, but uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for your word that gives us instruction, even on our bodies, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to steward them um, accordingly, knowing that as believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, they belong to you. So Lord, help us to take care of them, help us to Help us, Lord, to not find our comfort in food, but to find our comfort in our relationship with you and to run to you in times of trial and difficulty. Help us to seek our solace in, our, in, our, in, a, in time with you rather than in a cheeseburger. Help us, Lord, to um, also take care of our bodies with the proper uh, focus on exercise and um, 
Lord, I, I thank you for this time to talk about these things, not talked about very often, uh, but needed. And Lord, we do want to bring uh, many of our church family who are dealing with sickness right now, um, that you would heal